Hey, you're listening to the Upper Room Podcast. To learn more about Upper Room, please visit URDallas.com. Hallelujah. <laughs> Corey. That's what I felt like he's kept saying. He goes, I'm going to blow your mind, Corey. That's what I'm feeling as we enter into this season. I'm going to blow your mind. I like it when Jesus starts saying that, whispering that to you. So I think he's got a whole bunch of things up his sleeve, and he's going to blow our minds. I, uh, me and my family have been laboring at IHOP in Kansas City for 18 years. And for you guys who aren't that familiar, I, mean, I just love it. We got students here, and you know, we got staffers and ones who are in our midst, come through our midst, and uh, I just love the cross-pollination that's happening. For you guys who don't know, it's not the house of pancakes, it's a house of prayer. You're like, man, what's this, P, IHOP, you know. 19 years of day and night prayer has gone on in Kansas City before the throne. A prayer meeting began, and in the early 80s, a prophet began to speak to uh, Mike Bickle that God was going to raise up 24-7 prayer in the spirit of the tabernacle of David, and that God was going to put singers and musicians mingled with prayers that would go before the Lord and that God's glory, his power, his resource would come down and that God would fill the whole earth with worship and prayer before he returns. And that God would fill the whole earth. And this is another phrase the Lord spoke to Mike in 1982 in Cairo, Egypt. He says, I'm going to change the understanding and expression of Christianity in the whole earth in one generation. I'm going to change the understanding and expression of Christianity in the whole earth in one generation. And what God's doing is this is changing the understanding and expression of Christianity. Because the Lord is delivering us from Sunday only Christianity. The days of Sunday only Christianity are over. I'm here to declare it. He's beginning, we're beginning, the, the, the revelation of heaven is beginning to invade earth. And in heaven, they don't stop. And in heaven, it's not relegated to 45 minutes once a week. But that the worth of Jesus is beginning to break in upon the church. The beauty of Jesus is beginning to break off blindness off the church and we're beginning to catch a little gaze of what heaven sees and of how heaven values the worthy lamb. And it's happening and he's setting up gardens in the middle of cities. He's setting up places of encounter, places of fellowship, places where we can get our Bible open and God's anointing prophetic singers and musicians He's releasing the anointing like he did on King David that when David would play his guitar, demons of oppression would leave Saul. And we believe that God's gonna set up rooms across the earth to where people underneath intense oppression will sit in chairs and prophetic singers will sing love songs over them and the power of the evil one will be broken off of them. We're anointing on prophetic musicians play and atmospheres of encounter where businessmen come in and get divine strategies, where there are divine downloads and blueprints, 
where there are words about to know what God's saying. I believe that he's doing this across the earth. So that's the bug I've been eating with for 19 years. We've been eating with. We moved in 2000, two days after graduating. I'm an elementary teacher. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't either. I can't see either. <laughs> Once I got saved in 97, it's just like whatever's the quickest to get me out of here. I was already happy. I love elementary teachers. I mean, I am one, but um, <laughs> I'll teach little Timmy. We need me too, but. Uh, We moved to Kansas City with $500 of confirmed support to become intercessory missionaries. And we said, let's do it, Lord. And so we jumped in at 22 years old. And, uh, and, and over the last, it's been my joy, it's been our joy to minister to the Lord 30 hours a week and then go infect the church across the earth with the virus of the beauty of Jesus, the call of worship and prayer. And, and two years ago, our family went on a five-month sabbatical. We just shut things down and said, God, we need to hear from you. We feel transition. We don't know what it looks like. And towards the end of that time, God began to do so many things in our family. God began to reawaken old dreams. He began to set our middle daughter as, an, as a worship leader, and we just felt something. And I got a download on September 10, 2016, around transition coming. So actually what's happened and what God's been doing has been a two-year process in our hearts of seeking God, of praying, of fasting, and of saying, God, what are you doing? In 2016, I was getting wrecked with the revelation of Jesus as shepherd. The revelation of Jesus as shepherd, and I could feel his burning heart for the local church. I could feel his heart for the local church, but yet, God, I'm like, God, Yet you got this prayer and worship and ministry to God, but yet you're, you're wedding it with local church. Where in the world is this taking place like this, God? And after two years and crazy story, it was this weekend last year that I met Michael for the first time. And our first couple of connects were awesome. I fell in love with you. I fell in love with this house. I fell in love with the spirit, the hospitality, the hunger. And then May, things began to shift as it moved, as he began to connect, as the Lord began to connect Michael to our story. And here we are. We're making a huge jump. We're jumping in. And, we, and I believe that God is doing something across the earth right now. There's reassigning of leaders. I feel like there is a, a midst to where God has been cultivating DNAs in islands, and now what he's beginning to do is inject those DNAs, and there's a cross-pollination that's going on in the body of Christ. I believe that he's mixing wine, and he's creating a wineskin that can handle this new outpouring, because I believe in the next few years, we are getting prepared. I know it because his leaders have been going through crushing and some intense preparation over the last season, and I believe that he's producing wineskins that can handle what he's going to release in this new move. And to be able to steward and to be able to minister out of, the, out of that heart. And he's gonna, it's about church. It's about prayer. It's about prayer and worship coming to the center. And I'm just honored and glad to be with you. I want you to connect with our hearts. 
I'm a man that, it, I love it. I'm, I move here, we'll move here on January 2nd. On January 3rd, I'll be in here at 6 a.m. I've been eating with a 6 a.m. to noon bug. That's what I want to do till I get old. My vision is to get old and cry over Bible verses. That's my vision. People talk about, what's your vision? To get old, it's going to happen. And, and cry when I read Bible verses and whispers that released the thunder of the breaking of God and that God would let me run with some 20, 30, 40-year-olds, 50, 60, 70-year-olds, and that we would see revival, that we would see the inbreaking of his kingdom, that we would see the presence of God break in. So it's such an honor to be with you. I want to see places, rooms that get established where we can just sit because I believe, go ahead and turn with me to Psalm 1. We'll start in Psalm 1. We'll see where we go this morning. So I just want to say from our family to you, we love you. The, the healing, we, we just sat in here last night. Me and my wife are just crying. We don't even know why we're crying, but I'm just crying. I feel like this is going to be a land of inheritance, a place of so many good things. One of the reasons that I believe that God is establishing prayer rooms across the earth and is raising up wineskins like morning, noon, and night, it's because we are in a great urgent hour in the church and in the nation and in the earth right now. And we are in the midst of a generation that is seeking to throw off God's word, God's leadership, God's authority. And I believe he's calling the church and he's calling a generation to setting before him and that we wouldn't stand over this book and, create, and we wouldn't define it the way we want to define it, but that a generation would come underneath the leadership of the word of God. I believe he wants to raise up a people who love the word of God more than anything else. Let's read this in Psalm 1. So this is one of the things that I believe God is doing and the, the passion that I have in my heart. He says, blessed is the man. Everyone say blessed. blessed. He says, blessed is the man who does not do something. Note that. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. I want you to see that the psalmist highlights the word blessed, which means happy or to be envied. Everybody in here wants the blessed life. We want that enviable life that attracts heaven's gaze on us. Don't you want to get heaven's attention? Two of you do. Good, I do too. <laughs> and he says, blessed are you that you're not walking in the counsel of the ungodly, standing in the path of sinners, nor sitting in the seat of the scornful. I want you to see the slow, subtle progression of walking to standing, to sitting. And what the psalmist is highlighting is that if you walk long enough subscribing and opening yourself up to a certain value system, a certain conversation, and to a certain uh, paradigm of life and happiness and blessing, or however it's like that, whoever you're walking with today is who you'll be standing with tomorrow 
and be sitting in full agreement the next day. And we are living in an information, opinionated generation like no other time. The social media blast is constantly noise, 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 value systems, value systems, opinions, 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 opinions. So much information, so many conversations, so many voices vying for our gaze, vying for our attention. We're getting bombarded with buy me, sell me, you know, buy me. You got to have this, you got to have that. Day and night, we're being bombarded with images and voices and a value system seeking to steal this plot of land called our interior life. And he says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. He says, because God has something greater for you. He says this, but his delight, everyone say his delight, is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. I just want to declare, I believe that God's raising up prayer rooms, and he's beginning to, because we need each other. I declare to you that the word of God is going to become your number one source of entertainment. The word of God will become the place of delight. What's been boring, frustrating, I don't understand it, is going to become a place of delight in your life. It's going to become a place of pleasure. Absolute pleasure when you read the word of God. I don't care how distracted you are, how many attention issues you have. He is going to capture the gaze and the attention of a generation. And if you put your pinky toe in this river... It will snatch you away. He wants to begin to start a new conversation. He wants to deliver you from the Facebook conversation and bring you into the Word of God. Bring you into a holy love affair with the God of the Word and the Word of God and understand that you don't have to choose between the Word and the Spirit because they're the same person. There is nothing more anointed than the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit's favorite chariot to ride in is the Word of God. One of our big verses, one of our big verses in uh, Kansas City that we've said for years is we talk about Mary of Bethany. We want to be Mary's, Mary of Bethany's. And in Luke 10, 39, you can put that verse up there. I love this verse. This is one of our hallmark verses and what I believe God's doing. In Luke 10, 39, it says, but she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now that verse is surrounded with a storm. That verse is surrounded with chaos going on in the house as her older sister Martha is distracted, is busy, is doing a lot of good things, but is missing the moment. Missing the moment. And Mary chose in the midst of all the chaos to say, I refuse to miss this moment. She swam against the current of anxiety and busyness to find herself at his feet and let him do the talking. 
God's real, he is restoring a revelation of prayer. And prayer doesn't begin with you talking. Prayer is not monologue. It's dialogue. <laughs> and he talks first. And I want to tell you this, that God's got to talk first because once you get filled and pregnant with the word of God, the things that he fills you with then comes back out of you and it stirs God to move on your behalf. She had a sister called me. I want to tell you guys, I've been laboring day and night for 18, 19 years and that is the greatest call to warfare. I'm hearing a lot about warfare in these days about trying to find the ancient this or the ancient that or to open up the puzzle piece over our, our cities and our nations. What's going to unlock it all? And if we get that piece, dun, 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 it all blows open. You want to declare war on the devil? You want to declare war over your own life? Declare war on the busyness, the tyranny of the urgent the swirl of chaos and anxiety and busyness, even in the church, and beginning to say, I am going to prioritize sitting at your feet. And I'm going to open my Bible, and I'm going to stay here long enough for me to break through the pages of boredom until I encounter the man on the other side of the pages. Because there will be lots of objections that rise up. Martha's saying, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve, her, serve alone? Tell her to get off her lazy behind and help me. That's Corey's translation. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled. Can you put Luke 10, 42 up here? Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Wouldn't you like to do things that live forever? Do you know you can take your most precious commodity, which is your time, and sow it into a place that will live forever? <laughs> One thing is needed. One thing, I, the Lord told me it years ago, Corey, if you go after one thing, you get everything. But if you go after everything, you get nothing. And the power of the Christian life is seeking first, prioritizing, and understanding that outside of what I receive from you, I have nothing. We are receivers, recipients. And he speaks, we receive, and we are empowered to walk our lives out. The devil will let the church do a lot. But you want to put hell on notice? Turn your phone off. Take your seat at his feet and let him talk. And stay there long enough to break through the awkwardness. Stay there long enough to break through the what do I say now? What do I do now? It's what I thought was 45 minutes was actually seven. What do I do now? I've said my prayer list. 
Now what? And you got to look at him. And it's you and him. You know what Jesus says when you pray, go into your room and shut the door? Because he knew you'd try to get out. <laughs> he locked that door. Bar it. Put some, so many locks you don't even know the codes to it. And go through a detox. And because Jesus says this in Matthew 5 and 6, he says, and pray to your father who is in the secret place. Which means after you've tried to unlock all the codes and try to get through the door, it's you and him. And we begin to go on a journey of I don't know you like I thought I knew you. I haven't actually stayed long enough to look at you and let you speak words over me that define me. I've got so many words, so many opinions, so many words about people that define what real happiness looks like, what real success looks like, what real impact looks like. I want to tell you I got a hold of this in my 20s. I have always said it, God, I always want a larger heart than larger influence. And if that ever gets out of mix, check it. Do you know what happens if you begin to give yourself to what Mary did? If you swim against the noise, you swim against the noise, there will come seasons in your life like a brother that died years later. And in that hour, it says in John 11 that Mary came to Jesus with her brother dead in the tomb. It says she came weeping and she says, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And do you know what Jesus did when he saw Mary weeping and he heard her prayer? The Bible says he groaned in the spirit. I mean, what happens when you get God groaning? When you get God groaning. And he says, where have you laid him? And she says, come and see. And the shortest verse of the Bible, Jesus wept. And do you know what he did after he wept? He says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me and you always hear me. And then he said, Lazarus, come forth. Do you know what I believe happened in that moment? Mary had chosen the good part. She stayed there long enough to let his words go to her deep. That in the hour of her greatest crisis, her deep, called out to his deep and she pulled a resurrection out of him. I believe that there are Lazarus situations in our lives. Maybe dead relationships, marriages, children, finances, bodies, difficulties. And I believe what moves God is when we've taken time to sit long enough because that's what Psalm 1 and 2 is all about. We meditate, eat, get words off the page and say them back to him. I love it. You know what prayer is? You know what meditate means? It means to ponder while speaking to oneself. And do you know the words that will transform you the most? 
your own. Not Michael's, not mine, not whoever your favorite preacher is. The words, when you hear you declare God's word to God, you are transformed the most. That's why God's racing up prayer rooms and putting us morning, noon, and night. Because I need you to give me words to sing. I need prophetic singers singing it over me. I need to open my Bible and whisper it. And this is the glorious thing. It counts when I feel it, and it counts when I don't. It counts when I'm feeling anointed and when I'm not feeling anointed. He loves to take the weak whispers and the weak reachings and transform us through it. He meditates in my law day and night. Isn't that amazing? That's what he told Joshua 1. Think about this with, I mean, Moses has died. Joshua's gonna take the land. We would think, okay, this is some good war strategies for you, Joshua. I'm gonna teach you some of the, the ways to take these giants. This way he tells them in Joshua 1.8. Meditate in my book. Meditate. It's the same thing. It's the greatest warfare strategies. You want to get a sword coming out of your mouth? Most of us are wielding butter knives. Stop it. Leave me alone. Get away. And it all starts with a little, that voice, but how did Jesus fight the devil in the wilderness? Tell me. It is written. And it's, it begins with just Bible memorization, but it moves to a place to where it's in you. And that's when the sword comes out of the mouth of the church. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. It is written. It is written. Because I'm here to tell you Psalm 1 and 2 is this. The words you receive from God, there will be seasons that will be tested to see if whether you believe that. And there will be seasons to where, where the very words you've received is tested to the core. And God will take you through the seminary cause, causing that word to go from here into here. I mean, that's what he was just saying about Dan Moeller. Maybe Jesus is Lord. Maybe. Because it's a game changer of all the stuff we say we believe actually moves into that true faith. Look at Psalm 1. Just a couple more thoughts and then we'll... You guys are awesome. Just so happy today. Look at Psalm 1. Verse 3. He says this. He shall be like a tree. Everybody say a tree. Everybody say a tra. E. A tree. I'm just getting deep on y'all. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, 
and whatever he does shall prosper. It don't get any better than that. If there's anything we need in the midst of an hour of so many winds, waves, doctrines, heresies, ideas that are swirling through the church, and if we get a couple of Facebook evangelists that have a few hundred views, it turns into the popular opinion. If there's anything we need in this hour is to come out of the noise, chaos, and confusion and all the other voices and break through the surface into the Word of God because we need trees in the body of Christ in this hour. We need trees in our home for our kids. Trees in our churches. Trees in our world around us. We need people who have broken through and who have tapped into the underground water sources of the Holy Spirit and who have learned to draw on a well below the surface. Note that it's planted by rivers of water, which means its root system has tapped. It's broken through. And it's learned how to draw on all the water sources. You don't see those sources, but yet you're seeing it manifested by the life around. And it's providing shade for many. It's providing clarity for many. It's saying, I don't know everything, but that person, I've watched them walk with God for 20 years. You know why my vision is to get 90 and still be crying? Because life will press that, will test that. Life wants to get you jaded, wants to get you hard, wants to get you settled into what you believe. And I'm like, God, keep me tender. Keep me tender, Jesus. Keep me tender, Jesus. I want to cry forever when I read the Word. I want to stay moldable and flexible. I want to do what you're saying. That's why Psalm 95, Hebrews 3 says, if you hear my voice, don't harden. Stay tender, friends. Planted by rivers of water, bring forth its fruit in its season, which means this. There's going to be something surprising about these Psalm 1 people. They're seeming to bring forth fruit no matter how hot, how wet, how dry. There's something that's manifesting fruitfulness in every season. Whose leaf will not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. That's when God begins to co-sign the checks of your life. I believe most people are trying to talk God into their dreams. Will you be my cheerleader and cheer me in my vision? Come on, Jesus, I need you to be my supporter and help me. He goes, I love you, buddy. But come set before my word. Because I want to do more than just cheerlead your vision. I actually want to kill some of your dreams and resurrect mine in you. And I want to fill you with my dreams. And sometimes we get angry and discouraged when he doesn't do it the way we like it. And we realize he's the one running the show. I see so many people get offended, and at the end of the day, it's because Jesus isn't doing what you want. See, that's the great glorious thing that's happening. God's coming back to the center. God and his word is coming back to the center. 
I don't stand over this book reading this book. This book stands over me and reads me. I don't get to do with it like I choose. I want to sit like Mary. Let it be to me according to your word. It says she pondered these things in her heart. I want to sit before the word. Let the hammer of the word break the rock into pieces. I want to let the sword of the spirit divide soul from spirit. I want to let the fire burn up the chaff of dead religion. And I want to let the water, Ephesians 5. How is Jesus going to prepare a bride? With the washing of the water by the word. He's going to speak over us. He's going to cleanse all the defilement, accusations, lies, torments, wrong views of God, wrong views of ourself. He's going to cleanse. I said it last night. It's almost like our windshields are just filled with bird manure. You know how birds just take, have diarrhea on your window shields? That's the way most of our minds look like. And the devil is a liar. He is a deceiver. He is a tormentor, an accuser. He's a twister and a perverter. And he's the father of lies. But beloved, we've got to come out of the other voices. And we've got to get into a new conversation. Because if you begin to walk with the word today, you'll be standing tomorrow and you'll be sitting in full agreement. There's the slow, subtle progression of the human heart. I can't lay my hand on you and give this to you. It's the process of showing up as days turn into weeks, weeks into months, months into years, years into decades. And then you blink and you feel different. You think different. Psalm 1 is all about stabilizing a generation. Because Psalm 2 is coming, and that's when everything you've heard from God is tested to the core. Jesus hears, you're my beloved son. Satan comes, if you are the son of God. If you are, then prove it. Prove it. The very words you receive will be driven to the inside of you. And it's in those Psalm 2 seasons. This is the point. You could put Psalm 2, 7. It says this. The very nation's chaos and confusion that is swirling around father's inheritance for Jesus. This is what Jesus does when everything goes haywire. Do you want to know what to do when things get crazy? Go make eye contact with father. Come into the house. Look your father in the face and say, I'm going to declare back to you what you've spoken over me. He says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, look at this, you are my son. Here's a phrase I want you to get on the inside of you. I'm the beloved. I'm the one in whom the Father takes pleasure in. The Father of Jesus is very fond of me. The Father of Jesus is very fond of me. He likes me. He enjoys me. I'm his beloved. This is not optimistic, positive thinking. It's not, this is how do you get through life. No, no. Beloved, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. 
And if Jesus declares it back to the Father, how much more us who are in him must declare it daily. I believe most of us are slaves trying to fight the devil from outside the house. And yet the place of warfare is the place of inheritance and it's called in the house. (laughs) He says, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Then look at verse eight. Ask of me. Everybody say, ask of me. He says, you see those nations raging? You see all the chaos breaking out in your life? You see that marriage on the brink of a divorce? Children that grew up in the church that's gone to Stupidville? You've seen finances that have been under assault? You've seen bodies or pressure or torment? You see the very places that are raging? I want you to come out of the storm and I want you to look me in the face because I want to make those very places your inheritance. And I want you to ask me, and I'll make the greatest places of your warfare the greatest places of your inheritance. But you gotta look at me. You gotta look at me. You gotta look at me, and you gotta ask me. Because God doesn't dance with mannequins. First off, that's a very weird image. (laughs) Very weird. What do you mean, Corey? This is what everybody, God, I just want you to do it all. I just want to be free and trust God. It sounds good for bumper stickers and nice t-shirts and nice little slogans, but he says, "Uh uh-uh. I don't dance with mannequins. You make choices in your secret life. You come out and you look me in the face and you tell me what I told you to tell me. And I want you to ask me for your child. And I want you to storm the gates of heaven. And I want you to ask me for those places in your life. And watch what I do as you open your mouth. See, this is the core of intercession. God creates through words. God creates through words. God didn't blink, let there be light. Did he? And that, so I'm gonna bring this full circle and we'll pray for you. Everybody take a deep breath. I'm just intense, I'm sorry, I'm just, everything's a 10. Good, good, good. I eat. This intense. I do everything this intense. (laughs) I watch football this intense. (laughs) I drink coffee in like 30 seconds. And then I burn over what I did. (laughs) Because hear me. Hear me. Another reason he's doing this, (laughs) listen, I feel the heart because what this is all about, he's talking to me about coming here. I am feeling a heart of a father. What I'm seeing with Lo and Michael and the team here, hearts of shepherds that are seeing 
the evil one, seeing the lion and the deceiver, seeing the father of lies that slowly and subtly pulling a generation's attention away from the father and not living in the safe boundary lines of God's word. And we're seeing a generation that everything goes to where this has become a book of suggestions. If it works for you, I'm here to tell you Jesus isn't shared and he's not one among many. He's not a few opinions with a few other wise ones. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we need, listen, we need help because I need to be in the midst of a community who is singing the word, who is praying the word, who is declaring the word. Because I need my mind getting refined and transformed so that I can move into the will of God. But I'm here to tell you this is the only safe place. Because 40, another reason why he's shifting it from just once Sunday only Christianity. Because we're not going to just get this for a little slice of your weekly pie. As you deal with six days, 23 hours and 15 minutes of your week. We need each other in this battle. I need these prophetic singers singing over me. I need musicians prophesying over me. I need you encouraging me. And I need it more than just on Sunday. And we need to draw boundaries because there's so many value systems. Paul talks about in the last days, he says the Spirit expressly says that many will depart from the faith. Many. He says expressly. He says there will come many teachers who will use a couple of Bible verses and open up doors to great deception. I mean, the, the disciples asked Jesus, tell us about the end times. He says, don't get deceived. Come on, Jesus, tell me, how many water bottles do we need to store in light of the end times? How many guns? I mean, we're in Texas, come on. How many guns, how many rounds do I need, God? Don't get deceived. Come on, Jesus, get practical. Don't get deceived. Don't get deceived. You don't understand the winds and the waves and the doctrines and the voices and the opinions. You don't understand. Don't get deceived. Guard your heart. Protect this garden. Protect it. Guard it. Come underneath the leadership of the word. Because this is the only safe place to live because you will either see God's word as loving boundary lines into which you experience God-ordained pleasure or you will see them as bonds and cords that restrict your pleasure. So that's my heart as just a father, shepherd. That's what I'm burning with in this hour. Guys, we gotta batten down the hatches we got to batten down the hatches. That's hurricane language. Because there's a storm coming. It's an, awesome, it's an awesome glory. There's coming glory. Historic revival is going to touch the globe. Acts 2.17. What began on the day of Pentecost. I believe that we're going to see it poured out on every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. I believe that God's going to export upper rooms to all over the earth. I believe it's going to touch Asia and Africa. It's going to touch Europe, Latin America, the islands. Because there's coming great glory and there's coming great shaking. 
And we need it more than just a couple of Bible verses hanging on our walls in our house. Amen? I come to you. That's what I want to be. I want to labor and I just want to run with you. And I want to plead for our own souls because I need you and you need me. And we need each other. Amen? Amen. Let's stand.